Thanks for joining us today on the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Hey, if you've read your Bible for any length of time, the chances are that you've come across this little book in the middle of your Bible called the Song of Solomon. And there's even more of a chance that as you read through this book, you said to yourself, why is there a short story about romance in the middle of my Bible? Now, there are many answers to that question, but today we want to talk about one truth that arcs over the entire book. The concept that monogamous marriage, when done God's way, allows space for deep romance, trust, and sustainability. And just as a heads up, we'll be talking about some mature topics in this conversation, so you might want to throw your headphones in for this one. All right, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. All right, Nate, you ready for another round of getting to know you? <laughs> Let's do it. What is your prayer life like with uh, Christina, your wife? I'm just curious. <laughs> what, what, do you guys pray together regularly? How does that kind of work in with your marriage? We do. Our rhythm has been to shoot for a weekly prayer meeting hmm. together where we, after we have our own Bible reading time in the morning, which is our habit and our custom. Right. To then sit down and take half hour, 45 minutes and pray for, you know, our lives, the different people that we're responsible for, our children and extended families and the church and, and all of that. I say that's what we shoot for because I think right now we're definitely in a little bit of a transition because our kids are so uh, busy oh, that yeah. we've really had a tough time with the slot that we'd chosen previously. We'd been praying together on Saturday mornings, but what we're discovering is our kids so often have something going on. Plus we've been starting to go on dates every now and then on Saturday mornings, oh, which is yeah. just morning awesome. Date. Oh man, the morning day is incredible. <laughs> so we probably need to adjust that that's a little cool. bit because it's been hard to defend that time. But in general, that's been our you know, thing that we try to shoot for. And of course, you know, you'll pray together when there's some kind of uh, emergency or, you know, some kind of thing that's like, hey, we need to pre pray about this right mm. now. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times we're praying for the same things, just not, you know, sitting in the same room holding yeah. hands together. But as far as what you're talking about, praying together in the sense of being physically together, praying over something, yeah, for us, it's we shoot for once a week, getting together and That's praying cool. that way, yeah. That's cool. I know a lot of different couples do different kinds of things, and I've tried a couple of different things with Chesley as well. I've learned that one thing to not do is to pray like when we're in bed, like just getting ready to fall asleep. That that's all bad, man. No, yeah, that's that's uh, that's counterproductive. <laughs> it is very <laughs> yeah. falling asleep, just praying to the Lord together. Yeah, the Saturday morning thing—that's a great idea. Hey, man, I'm really excited to talk about this article, One Woman Man. This kind of goes back to, I know for you, some studies you've done in the book of Song of Solomon. Um, I thought today we could just kind of talk about this idea of being men that look to our women, our wives, and uh, look at them as our friend, as our loves, and in some kind of way, which we'll talk about, as our sisters in the Lord. But before we get into that, Nay, I thought you could just kind of talk us through 
like what is the song of solomon i know a lot of us haven't even heard of this book or if we have there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is so what what is this book and what's the story sure yeah it was one of the most exciting uh and edifying studies that i've been able to teach and leading our church through looking at the song of solomon a few years ago um, i think it was really helpful and edifying mm-hmm. and you know my my um camp interpretively for the whole Bible is to interpret it literally when possible. Right. So there are definitely going to be times where an allegorical uh, or apocalyptic approach is necessary in your interpretation of scripture, but when possible, interpret it in a literal kind of way. So when I come with that kind of grid to the Song of Solomon, I tend not to be a guy who gives himself to a poetical mm-hmm. or um, allegorical line of interpretation on mm-hmm. the Song of Solomon. Because what you have in the Song of Solomon is the story of a man, Solomon, and his future bride, and then eventually in the story, his bride, and then it seems like eventually in his story, his older Mm. bride as they age together singing a love song to each other and you know some people over the years have decided to interpret it in an allegorical kind of way where uh, the husband's love for his bride is an allegorical uh, song about God's love Mm. for Israel or God's love for his people, which to me, to be honest, makes the book even more awkward than if you just take it straightforward as a love song between a man and a woman that is Mm. filled with intimacy, with foreplay, with romance, with uh, compliments and praise and conflict and difficulty. And so, you know, for me, my line of interpretation would be, again, you know, if, if possible, interpret it in a literal, straightforward kind of sense. So for me, it's a song about two people and their marital, sexual relationship together. It's yeah. not all about sex, but sex is definitely a prominent feature oh, yeah. in the book. So someone would say, why would that be the interpretation? Because if that's the interpretation, then what you're left with is... You know, just this book about a married couple and, right. and their sex life. You know, that doesn't seem like it's a something worthy of the Bible. And I would beg to differ. Mm. I think that God, as he looks upon the humanity that he has made, if you remember the first thing that God said, it is not good, it was that he saw that man was alone. It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. He delights in married love. He created marriage love, and I think he's all about it. And so it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest that he would give an entire book of Mm. his word uh, to be dedicated to that relationship and that he would celebrate it, be about it. And so that's the way I interpret the Song of Solomon. So kind of this, for me, just like a simple flow of the book is that the first few chapters seem to be the early uh, 
stages of their relationship leading into engagement. So mm -hmm. the first initial thrusts of infatuation and getting to know each other and then but but saving themselves for the mm -hmm. time they get married sexually but 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 for real looking forward to it yeah. and anticipating being able to enjoy each other physically and then uh, the second stage or movement it ha has to do with their marriage and fears surrounding surrounding their marriage uh, and and I guess what I mean is their actual wedding day, the day mm -hmm. they get married. Yeah. And then the end of the book seems to point forward to a matured relationship and marriage, and and kind of how to do those later years yeah. when time has gone by and the infatuation is not as present and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's you know you asked me what is the Song of Solomon about? I'm telling you the camp interpretively that I'm in about the Song of Solomon and the way that I uh, teach it. So in this article that I wrote on Song of Solomon 8 verse 1, <laughs> as we were kind of <laughs> introducing this, I thought, I don't know how many people out there are writing blog articles on this <laughs> verse. It says, oh, that you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breasts. If I found you outside, I would kiss you and none would despise me and and what that is is uh in those days and in that culture mm -hmm. it was considered inappropriate to show public displays of affection toward okay. your spouse yeah so she's saying sometimes we're just like out and about and i want to kiss you i want to show you public displays of affection mm -hmm. but i can't culturally so i wish you were my brother at those times because mm. it is culturally acceptable to in in those cultures wow. and yeah. in that society to show a brother affection, you know, a family member like that affection. Uh, but the thing that I was drawing out from it is um, that th throughout the entire uh, song, there are these different titles that they give to each other. And the three that I drew mm. out were... Uh, number one, that they refer to each other as their love. Right. You know, you're my love. That, that was a title they put on to each other. And then brother or sister, like in this verse. And then friend. And there are many more titles. But what I wanted to do in the article is talk about how in a marriage today, it's great when you're able to see your spouse as your love. Also, as your sibling in Christ, your brother or sister in Christ, and then also as your friend. And that when all yeah. three of those are in operation together, they're my love, they're my sibling in Christ, and they're also my friend. And when those things are popping, uh, the marriage is in a strong, oh, healthy yeah. place. For sure. I think it's so good. One of the things that strikes me about their relationship in this book, too, is just that they seem to so satisfy each other. They weren't looking for different kinds of romance within their relationship, but they were, they had eyes for each other. They had emotion for each other, love and care for each other. It seemed that for the man, that this woman was everything he needed. And for this woman, the man was everything he needed, which is just so beautiful, I think, for recording a podcast like this in our time. <laughs> it's just so special to be able to see that happening in scripture. So I love that. I thought we could just kind of talk through those three different kind of characteristics of their relationship, the love and brother-sister relationship and friendship. Um, 
that we see in the book of Song of Solomon. So the first thing, uh, so the man views this woman as his love. And I know it might seem a little steamy or something to ask, but can you talk to us about their love life? Uh, what do we learn about their love from this book? Well, yeah. I mean, they enjoyed each other sexually very much. Yeah. And it their sexual love for each other uh, was not, you know, it definitely wasn't dirty. It wasn't um, stained right. with, you know, worldliness and carnality. It wasn't selfish. They were definitely serving yeah. one another in even in the marriage bed. But it was enjoyable. They were, you know, about it. It was helpful to both of them. And they both enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't just the hu- husband enjoying it or just the wife enjoying it. Mm-hmm. They were both enjoying it. So I put in my article, this means they enjoy one another physically and romantically. They romantically love one another. They set their affections on one another. They rejoice to kiss and touch and embrace one another. They cultivate the romantic part of their lives, believing God has gifted them with one another. So yeah, I mean, in the outline of the book, you know, in the early chapters, uh, there was a lot of anticipation mm-hmm. of the time that the, their two bodies could come together right. as an expression of their souls and spirits coming together as well. You see, the, the reality is that as Christians, we are spirit, soul, and body, but we're not only spirit. Yeah, you know. Right. So I think sometimes we we forget the fact that we are physical as well, and God has wants to have dom- dominion over. The physical realm mm-hmm. so i mean i don't know what else you want me to say except that you know they really enjoyed each other they did have some awkward moments but they worked through mm-hmm. those awkward moments uh, their sexual love was highly communicative yeah they tell. talked about mm-hmm. things they talked about what they enjoyed they talked about what they appreciated about each other and i think that that probably led to an element of patience for yeah. each other sexually yeah. because mm-hmm. you know i think especially in modern times where people have been exposed to a lot of different uh sexual activities sometimes in ways they haven't even wanted to mm-hmm. be right. you have to be sensitive to each other and kind of work through things mm-hmm. together there might be sin there might be sin that's been committed against somebody there might be even physical illness that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with some particular sin but just the brokenness that's in the world that requires a level of patience sexually between a married couple. So they were talking about it a lot throughout uh, the song, singing about it, um, and looking forward to heightened levels and improvement within their sexual mm-hmm. relationship. So there are some indications as you're moving through the text, and I, I can't recall them right now, but basically as you move from chapter one to chapter eight what you see is this increased knowledge Mm -hmm. about the other person's like physique and the sexual expressiveness and freedom that they have together what began kind of an infancy infancy sexually it just like blossoms over time which to me is one one of those hidden secrets that a lot of people in our modern culture don't understand about yeah. covenantal mm-hmm. committed married sexual love they don't understand that it's really good yeah. i mean done right it can right. grow and improve over time mm-hmm. in a way that just experiencing so many different people 
and bouncing around, you know, here and there. It might be hot for a moment. Right. And there might be, you know, a little window of time where a person says like, oh man, that's just like, it's so intense. Hmm. But it's mostly because it's new. And, and there's like an excitement and an adrenaline that's attached to the newness. Right. But what those people aren't discovering is the adrenaline and the excitement that is attached to a familiarity over time yeah, that's good. where you've developed mm-hmm. in knowing how to bless each other and serve each other. And I don't think that I'm going beyond uh, what the rest of scripture communicates about this as well. It's not like this is just like a concept that that line of interpretation on the yeah. Song of Solomon would take. Paul talked in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 about marriage being a I mean, one of the reasons that he, not the only reason that the Bible gives, but one of the reasons that he gave for marriage is because, uh, is for the purpose of being able to overcome sexual temptation. Yeah. You know, he, he mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 7, due to some kind of distress at the time that he was writing that letter, uh, was appealing to the Corinthian believers to embrace a life of singleness, mm-hmm. like he had embraced a life of singleness. But he said... But some of you won't be able to do it. And because of that tendency to enter into temptation and to fall into sin, then it's good in those cases to be married. And then in talking about marriage, he explained that the husband, his body belongs to his wife, Mm -hmm. and the wife, her body belongs to the husband. Not in some weird, you know... um, domineering dominating kind of way where there's abuse that's taking place but in a way where they're serving one another and what what you have there is as a couple learns how to serve each other there they they are also learning how to serve each other just in everyday life Mm, and as a couple knows how to serve each other in everyday life they'll probably be more prone to serve each other in the marriage bed and so they kind of like feed off of each other so, you know, this is a great concept that's wow. found, you know, Old New Testament, you know, the marriage bed, Hebrews 13 is an undefiled, yeah. you know, beautiful kind of yeah. thing. It's just unfortunate because I think we live in an era where it's totally, and I understand why this would happen, it's very easy to think of anything sexual as carnal and mm. dirty and weird. There might even be people listening to me talk about this right now that are feeling like, oh, I really liked Pastor Nate until he started talking about sex. Mm. That just seems like weird and awkward. Like you're not supposed to talk about that. That's Mm. not holy. But when God made it, it was definitely holy. We have to remember this is not the devil's invention. He did not create this. What he has invented is a perversion of what God made. So Mm. what God made is beautiful, helpful. You know, it's it's. It is not only for procreation, that is one of the reasons, but it's for also the blessing of humanity. Yeah, amen, amen. You move from there to talk about um, how this man viewed this woman as his sister. And at first, I know for some of us that sounds odd as well, but can you talk about why this is an appropriate word to use um, from this man towards viewing this woman in this kind of romantic setting, why would you call her? Okay. Sister? Well, well, first, before we do this one, I just want to back up because I feel like I just answered when I was talking about the love, you know, portion, I was giving this like technical sexual, you know, you're asking like, what is their 
what did their life look like yeah, together? Yeah. So I just want to back up and just say that I think one of the of the of the friend and sister and love categories mm. i think that over time in marriage all three of these will be challenged mm. right all three of these will be challenged there will be times where a married couple feels like you know i just don't even like get along with you right now mm. and that is a challenge to the friendship and there will be times where one of them slips into carnality while the other is still trying to grow in christ and that will be a challenge to the brother mm. sister in christ dynamic and there will be times where, whether it's because of sin or just time that has passed by or familiarity or something like that, that a couple's love for each other will be challenged. So I just want to talk about that yeah, for a yeah, second, get you know, because that's, that's a really important, you know, part of Christian marriage. You know, it, it, I don't think would be right for us to think that the same feelings of infatuation mm-hmm. would be there in a marriage after years have passed by. In other words, I mean, for me, I love holding my wife's hand. I love snuggling with my wife. I love that. It's great. It does not have, though, the same jolt of newness and excitement Hmm. that it had when we first, on the very first day, you know, held hands together. And that isn't a negative thing. What has happened is your love has deepened. But what can happen to a couple is that through familiarity, maybe, you know, just living together, the husband's farting all the time or whatever, you know, just kind of being a gross dude. Yeah, yeah. The romance can can begin to leave. Yeah. And it's important to continue to cultivate that. I think Mm. it's good for a married couple to try to be visibly appealing to their spouse Mm -hmm. still as the years tick by and progress. Obviously, we're all human beings, so we know that externally, there's going to be some kind of like peak somewhere, (laughs) and then we're going to move past, you know, that physical peak. We're going to age, and our bodies are going to, you know, become injured, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But the reality is, that it's good for us to try to be, you know, appealing to our spouse. Yeah, you know, man, I, for sure. I, unfortunately, I've known guys in Christ who, yeah, they want their wife to work to be appealing visibly, visually mm. to them, but they don't put in a whole lot of work oh, yeah. to be visually appealing to their bride, you know, and mm-hmm. it's good to, to do both of those. It's good to go on dates together. Yeah, it's it's good, good to do romantic things together. You know, it's, it's good to, uh, express yourself in that kind of way. So mm. I just wanted to double back and say that because that's a huge part of marriage that Amen. is worth cultivating. It yes, is not a carnal sure. thing to take your wife out to a nice meal and, and mm-hmm. buy her flowers and write her, uh, you know, a, a poem or, a, you know, a, a note filled yeah, with yeah. what you think about her. You know, that's mm-hmm. not a sad thing at all. That's a good thing. To, to love in that kind of way. Mm, that's good. Thanks for taking a moment kind of circling around to that. I think that's so good to remember. Let's keep moving through this article. Now, you have so much good stuff to say about um, this kind of sister-brother dynamic and the friendship. Can we talk about um, why would why would this man view his wife, or why would he call her sister? Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Yeah, it's interesting that we're talking about this today because just this morning I 
spent some time editing a few articles and one of them that I'm got edited and will release sometime soon was 21 questions to ask to sort through an online dates Christianity. Oh yeah. You know, man. just like what kind of, they're saying they're a Christian. They've checked the Christian religion, you know, box on their online profile. Um, how do I know what kind of Christianity oh, yeah. they have? Is it nominal? Is it real? Do they even know mm-hmm. the gospel? And, you know, so many of the questions that are that I put in there, they have to do with this subject, you know, because the idea is that our lives as believers are built upon the solid rock of the word of God, built on the solid rock of the gospel itself, Amen. the yeah. sayings of Jesus, so to speak. And when you think about that, the idea of entering into a marriage where one of the pe- one of the spouses has built their life that way and the other is unwilling to or never mm-hmm. has what ends up happening is you you live with an unequal yoke but when you're both building your life upon him and his word then like a brother and sister in Christ, because that's what we really are together in Christ. Yeah, I mean, when totally. I look at Christina, she's my wife, but she is also my sister in Christ. You know, she yeah. belongs to him. We have the same father in heaven. And so a level of fellowship about the Lord and like an agreement together about how life is supposed to look because of our faith and our walk with him is you know really a huge part of the health of the christian life you can have all the romance you know in the world but if one of you thinks that you should bring your children to a body of believers to raise them in a faith community and the others you know spouse doesn't feel that way that's going to lead to conflict yeah you know if one spouse believes we should give you know generously um, maybe even they fall under the conviction to give a tithe or a tenth to the Lord that the other doesn't and doesn't share that conviction to be generous or to give and they don't listen to those New Testament commands then that's going to create conflict inside of the marriage Um, you know one is trying to dedicate the first half hour of like each day to worship the Lord and to spend time in his word or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And the other thinks it a waste of time. That's going to be difficult. One Mm -hmm. wants to serve and attend a local church each Sunday and like set that time aside as part of their week. Like that's going to be really difficult to come by if the other doesn't share that same mentality. Right. right. So there's just a million ways Mm -hmm. that it's like, if if it, it is that it is beautiful to be a brother or a sister in Christ together. I mean, I have a lot of a lot of brothers in Christ that I can share, you know, different things that I'm going through with and talk about experiences or things that God is showing me in the word, but because Christina knows me so well, there's no one better to have that mm. fellowship with, you yeah, know, it's, it's a stronger good. level of fellowship because we know each other so well. And as I'm talking and sharing, she gets it, you know, she gets what I'm, 
what I'm dealing with. She gets what I'm going through and is able to give counsel and advice and perspective and wisdom as a sister in Christ in a way that's so much stronger than anybody else could because of that closeness together. Man, that is powerful. It's a, I feel like sometimes in marriage you can get caught up in maybe like just like the romance or just in the, the partnership or something like that and kind of mm-hmm. forget that sometimes that, yeah, you are a daughter of God, I'm a son of God, and we're individually being built up in Christ, but we can together build each other up in Christ as well. What a special way to enter into that kind of deep yeah, marriage definitely definitely god asked through the prophet amos can two walk together unless they be agreed yeah and so if you if you're not like in agreement on that destination together mm. yeah. you know what the mission is what the kingdom of god is about and the great commission of making disciples if you're not in agreement about that then it really it, you know there's a it's like a missing component within the marriage mm. but when you are in agreement about it it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, there is there is yeah. nobody on this church staff or in this church that I am more in harmony with as far as the mm-hmm. mission that we're about than with Christina. That's and good. it means a lot to me and it means a lot to us and our life and our marriage together. It's actually one of the things I put in that 21 questions article that I edited today was asking the question of this potential, you know, date that you're going on, asking them, you know, where do you go to church or asking them follow-up questions like what's your pastor's name or what is he teaching through right now to help you get like an idea yeah, yeah. if he really does or she really does actually go to f- church, is in a fellowship and is together with other believers in that yeah. kind of way. And one of the things I mentioned was the reason why part of the reason why that's so important is because the the congregation like going to church is such a huge blessing for Christian oh, yeah. marriage because there are times yeah. where you're sitting together and some word of direction is given for both of you yeah. to pursue or one of you is corrected mm-hmm. over a perspective that you had and it just softens you you know yeah, totally. and so you know my thing was just like if they if they don't even know the name of their pastor and they don't even know like what he's teaching then chances are probably they're probably not going to church all that yeah. often you know but yeah. that's that's what we want we want to to be brothers and sisters in Christ together inside the marriage that's yeah, huge yeah so huge and kind of along those lines you talk about friendship between this couple in the song of solomon can you talk to us about what their friendship looked like in the midst of this romantic relationship? Yeah, I mean, they had talks of uh, going out into the fields together oh, yeah. and, and uh, dining, you know, out in the fields and and little trips together that they would take, you know, and, and uh, just they really, it wasn't just this, um, you know, bodily desire kind of mm. thing that they had for each other. I mean, they definitely had... They Joan, they were jonesing for each other all throughout the song. Yeah, but they also just enjoyed the 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 whole person. Yeah, you know that's I the thing. That. They enjoyed the whole person. They really enjoyed spending time uh, together. Just their words, their thoughts about each other, uh, and even having points of conflict where they worried about not being able to be together and that it kind of broke them up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. internally to even like dream about their spouse being taken away yeah. from them. So 
I heard Mark Driscoll say years ago, he talked about, you know, in marriage, you've got the like face to face relationship and then you have the shoulder to shoulder relationship and then you have the back to back relationship, mm. you know, where you're yeah. like fighting for the same things. You're on the same mission. You got each other's back shoulder to shoulder. You're doing life together and then face to face you're engaging and, and enjoying each other. So I don't know which one this would would go into, you know, the idea of being a friend, you know, with your spouse. But it is good to make sure that uh, we enjoy our spouses as we go through, you know, the rigors of of everyday life. You know, I mean, if if someone is privileged to be able to to be married you know, the reality is like th- this person is partly God's gift to you for to help solve, you know, problems that every human being on earth feels and goes mm-hmm. through, you know. So if someone isn't married and is called to a life, full life of singleness or just a season of, of singleness, God wants to solve their loneliness, mm-hmm. but just not at that time through marriage. But in your marriage, God might want to solve your loneliness with your spouse, you know, not exclusively mm, yeah. with your spouse. You can't put that kind of pressure upon them to solve, you know, every, you know, problem in your heart. But um, t- to realize like, man, they're there for me. Like we get to be together. We get to hang out together. We get to do stuff together. We just get to enjoy each other. And mm. I think especially, I mean, man, I've, you know, Christina and I have been married for, we're, We'll have been married for, uh, we're in our 17th year right now. And, you know, as we have gone through life, you know, obviously life just kind of can get more complex as time mm-hmm. goes on. You know, I mean, when your kids are growing and, you know, you've got the financial obligations for them and your, you know, your family schedules are, you know, all over the place. I mean, I remember it used to be that it was like my schedule was like the driving force in our family, you know. Yeah, yeah. Christina and I got together last night and we synced up our <laughs> schedules for the next couple of months, you know, just looking at like what we know is coming, different people that are coming into town and stuff our girls are doing. And it's just like, man, my schedule has hardly anything to do with this now. You know, it's our kids, you know, and all the stuff they got going on. And it can be easy through all of the, all of those responsibilities, you know, okay, we got, okay, who's get, we got to go get groceries and we got to clean the house and we got to, you know, do the yard work and we got to, you know, all the, this needs fixing and that needs painting, you know, and to kind of go through all that and you can kind of forget like, well, well, hold on a second. Like we can, we get to enjoy each other Mm. in all this. Like this is my best friend, you know, we get to hang out. We get to talk about life. We get to just laugh together. I mean, one of my favorite sounds in the world is the sound of my wife's laughter i mean it's just the best i yeah, love that i can so make good, her man. laugh it just makes me so happy when she laughs um because of me <laughs> yeah. you know for the right reasons <laughs> not yeah. something stupid that i did you know i just love that oh. it's just it's just a blessing it's like that that is part of the reason why i was drawn to her in the first place you know just that soulish connection of yeah. like oh man we're we're friends together we we we're we have fun together you know that's a huge part of marriage and, and really cool that the, you know, Solomon and his bride referred to each other in that way as friend. Yeah. Right. Oh, so good, man. 
Hey, let's wrap this up. Um, let's talk to just married couples for a second. I'm just imagining that there's somebody listening right now who's married, who maybe doesn't enjoy their spouse right now, who wouldn't say that these things that we've been talking about is a real like trademark of their relationship with their spouse, but they want to grow in that. They want to see enjoyment happen. Uh, they want to see passion there. Um, they want to see growth. Do you have maybe just a word for that person as they're married and working through it? What is something that they can do to cultivate um, just joy in their marriage? Yeah, I do have a, a word. I'm actually getting ready to to write like a four-part article series about verses that have been really helpful to Christina and I in our mm -hmm. marriage yeah. that aren't marriage verses you know if, if you know what I mean yeah, you yeah. know like there's verses about marriage and then there's verses that are just about life and truth <laughs> yeah. and, and but there's a few of those that have been really helpful to us cool for marriage but aren't like the classic marriage verses and one of them is Ephesians 6 I mean excuse me um, Matthew 6 21 where Jesus was actually talking about money and the tendency for us to worry about money and telling us not to store up treasures here on earth where moth and and uh, moths eat them and rust destroys them mm -hmm. and where thieves break in and steal but to store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal and then he said this he said wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will also be hmm. wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will also be so in that context what he's saying is you know i want you guys to be heavenly minded i want you to be thinking about the kingdom of god mm -hmm. um so how can you do that well he said if you invest in it financially then eventually your heart is going to turn for it because wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart is also going to be. The desires of your heart are going to follow your treasure. And the reason why that's such a big deal, it sounds so simple, but the reason why that's such a big deal is because we usually think about it in the opposite kind of way. We usually think, no, wherever my, wherever my desires are, that's where I'll end up putting my treasure. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I'm if I'm into the kingdom, then I'll spend my time and my treasure on the kingdom. But that's not the way it works. It's where whatever you treasure, wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart is eventually going to go. And I think it's the same way in marriage. I think that was a big truth that Jesus was drawing out that is true in a lot of different areas of life. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So if you, you don't wait for your heart to somehow be for mm. the spouse that you've grown tired of as if somehow it's just going to kind of magically come upon you and then when that feeling flows you're going to start to treasure them now what you have to do is you have to take your treasure so what is your treasure your time yep. your talents mm -hmm. your money you need to take your calendar and you need to take your money and you need to take your talents and you need to direct them towards your spouse. Hmm. You need to discipline yourself in that direction. And as you do, this crazy thing happens. You're going to start to desire them more. The desires of your heart are going to be found 
in the direction of what whatever you treasure. It's interesting. Like I will, I could go a long time without thinking like, I wonder, you know, how Christina is doing. I wonder how she's, you know, feeling, you know, or whatever. And I could sit down and I could write her just a little note, just, you know, telling her that I love her and just, you know, encouraging her and leave that note for her. And all of a sudden this thing happens to me. Mm. I start wondering, was that encouraging to her? (laughs) Yeah. Is she encouraged right now? Is she lifted up right now? I wasn't asking those questions before, but because I've put just a little small amount of treasure in the form of time and energy into her. Now my heart is, is there, you know, so we all understand what this is like. So that would be, you know, something I'd encourage, you know, someone who's in that drier place, do what you can to treasure them. Uh, Whether they treasure you in return, do what you can to treasure them and then watch and see what happens to your heart. Second thing that I'd say, and then we can wrap it up. There's this little principle at the end of 1 Samuel 26, which we're actually going to look at this coming Sunday, where after David has been pursued by Saul for a really long time, Mm -hmm. he proves to Saul that he does not want to harm him because he sneaks into the camp and he steals Saul's jug and and spear. Could have easily killed Saul, but instead he didn't and so he leaves and he shouts you know out to Saul and and Abner and he's like hey look you know I didn't I didn't intend to hurt you I don't want to hurt you Hmm. and and Saul realizes like oh man I'm wrong like you are you God's going to give you success in the future I've sinned you know and all that and then David says this interesting thing at the end of first Samuel 26 he says um He said, just as I have done to you, may the Lord, just as I have valued your life, may the Lord value my life. Hmm. And the reason why that's so interesting is because you almost expect that what he's going to say is, hey, Saul, as I valued your life, you should value my life. Hmm. Yeah. But what David was doing was going into this level of maturity that every Christian is invited into where we say, no, I want to treat other people in a certain way because that's how I want the Lord to treat me. And and as I'm treating people that yeah. way, I'm not looking for, I'll do this as long as you treat me the right way. Yeah. What I'm looking for is, no, I'm doing this because I, I'm wanting God to treat me that way. I'm not looking to other people to satisfy me. I'm looking to God to satisfy wow. me. And when, when Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, he didn't mean show someone mercy and they will show you mercy in return. Mm. What he meant was show someone mercy and then God will show you mercy. Yeah. So, and that, wow. that's... That is totally grace because his mercy outdoes our mercy every time. The way he treats us outdoes how we treat others every time. But you got to get there in your marriage too. You know, you got to get to that place where you say, I'm going to treasure them, not so they'll treasure me in return, but I'm going to treat them as as I want God to treat me. And I'm just going to get satisfied, you know, from the Lord. Let my heart follow my treasure and let the Lord satisfy my heart. 
Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.